Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Oh, this is the nearly zero voice of your local announcer, Tom Fitzmorris. And it's time to serve up the food show. Two hours of radio talk about the food, the drinks, the restaurants, and the home kitchens that add up to America's best-eating city, New Orleans. It's, uh, here we are, it's, uh, what day is it? It's Thursday. It's nice to be here with you on a nice day, kind of cold out there. Uh, that's the near, near, nearly zero aspect of it. It's It's been cold out there, and it's been great to... Uh, to be coming here every day and talking to you about uh, where you've been eating, what you've been cooking at home, and, and all of that, too. We, we have the, and a lot of fun with it, and uh, we have been doing it for a long time. And by this time, it would seem to me that we've covered just about every imaginable aspect of the dining and cooking scene around New Orleans. But then we get into it, and I realize, no, we've never talked about that or that or that or that. And uh, so why not do it today? So uh, here we are. You know what? We have talked about this many times in the past, but we haven't talked about it in a while. So I thought I would bring it up uh, because last night I I had uh, dinner at the New Orleans Wine and Spirits. This is a a three-unit restaurant group. Not much of a group. It's three. The three places are very different from one another. They all go under that name, same owner. Same recipes for the most part, but one of them, the original, is in Harvey on the West Bank. Uh, the second one was in, and still is in Bucktown, uh, right on the right on the lakefront there, pretty much. And then the third one is in uh, Mandeville. It, wait, is that Mandeville or is that oh, no? That's in Covington, in Covington, uh, and uh, that's the one I go to most because I live over there. And uh, last night. They were serving what they always have on Wednesday night. This is one of my, as a matter of fact, it is my favorite thing over there. It, it's called, simply enough, panade chicken. Okay, now you and I both know what panade chicken is. It's where you take usually uh, chicken breast meat. You could use whatever kind you like, but you can pound out the breast meat a little more uh, freely. And that's uh, part of the thing. And then you, you the, the first step is you... Dust it with some uh, uh, some flour and a mixture of seasonings, and then you dip it in some uh, some uh, oyster. I'm sorry, not oysters. Uh, uh, a mix of eggs and uh, a little bit of cream, maybe. You, you and your seasonings again, and then you drag drag it through some uh, breadcrumbs, and then you put this in a pan with some oil, about maybe maybe three-fourths of an inch deep of uh, vegetable oil or uh, olive oil, whatever you want to use. I wouldn't use extra virgin olive oil for that because it's a waste of an ingredient that is actually better when it's left alone. But anyway, uh, you you get this going in the pan, 
and you brown it on all sides, and it comes out really nice and crisp and, and great taste right there. I mean, you, you could say this is the end. This is chicken, uh, mar- not chicken marsala, but this is panade chicken, and uh, th- that's that. But what these guys do is after they do, do that, they put it the, the chicken on top of a big pile of pasta that has two different sauces on it. One of them is your standard red sauce, your tomato-based sauce, and the other one is kind of a creamy sauce. And they, they don't mix them together exactly, but they kind of work their way towards that as the evening goes on. And uh, they charge some ridiculously low price for it. It's you know, like $15 or something like that. It is an enormous plate of food. And uh, it's just delicious. I mean, this is some one of those things that if it, you were if you were to put it into a really fancy, expensive restaurant, it would probably not be well received because it, first of all, there is that much food. It uses fairly inexpensive ingredients, does them in very basic techniques. But when you get to the end of it, you'd you'd really have to do something to find. A dish that is better than that. I, I just love it. And I, I don't get it very often because I, I shouldn't be eating that much food very often. And I can't resist but eating all of it. I, I, about half of it would be about right, maybe even a little less than that. But, you know, that feeling you get, you're enjoying something so much that you can't help but to keep on going. That's kind of what happened to me last night there. I pretty much killed that dish. And then the, uh, the check came out, and I did a quick calculation in my brain, which is not a very good place to do any kind of calculation. Uh, I never was particularly good at math. I learned that when I was a math major in college and found out that I just did not have the gift for it. So uh, that. But anyway, uh, my wife always looks carefully at how much of a tip I add for two reasons. First of all, she doesn't think I know how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, and she may well be right. And so I'm, I'm not going to even claim any innocence on that. But uh, there are other aspects to this, and uh, the other that is that, um, as is the case with, mo- a case with most women, and if you disagree with this, okay, call me up attack me. It's all right. I'm inviting you to do so, in fact. Uh, I have observed, and, and, and waiters will tell you this, that women do not tip as well as men do. It's not a huge, huge difference, and it's something that we probably ought to just forget about and just shut up about because it only causes problems. Uh, unless you're what? If you're dating a girl who's a chef, you or who works in the restaurant business, what, do they disagree with that, that women are better tippers than, I mean, that men are better tippers than than women? Yeah? <clears throat> really cheap it out? Or, or, too mu- or she would raise it up? What, you, why, she didn't think you tipped enough or you tipped too much? You didn't tip enough. Okay. Well, yeah, but people in the business, they have an understanding of this stuff. Uh, I, uh, some years ago, a long time ago, actually now, I spent a month 
uh, waiting tables at a restaurant that's long gone called Romanoff's. It was a very fancy restaurant, very expensive restaurant. It was where Andy's Bistro is now in Metairie, just off of Veterans Highway. And it, it was a good restaurant. There was no doubt about it. It was first-class food, French-style, uh, pretty much. And I worked there as a waiter. I, I learned something there, too, and that is that I don't have the skills to be a waiter. Let me tell you, learning how to carry a tray <laughs> right there, that is not easy. And uh, when you get into the really tough parts of being a waiter, then, it, you know, it really gets to be you, you have a new appreciation for them. Anyway, I, uh, I always tip starting at 20%. I mean, that's kind of like my rock bottom. But I usually, you know, it nudges up to the nearest $5 and always up, never down. And my wife always grabs the check after I've done this, and she looks it up, and she says, Wait, are you, are you tipping 20% on this? I said, yeah, why not? I never tip less than 20%. And my working that one month in a restaurant persuaded me to uh, come to a realization that, it, that if anything less than that is, is an insult. Because these people, uh, people who work in restaurants, mentally and physically, it is grueling, very difficult. Don't think it isn't. With their smiles and all of that, they seem very happy. It's hard work. And I, I've never met anyone in the restaurant business who didn't agree with that. So anyway, uh, all of this boils down to how much should you tip? Or what do you think? We can take it another step. What about this whole tipping uh, 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 whole process, this whole uh, tradition we have of paying the serving service staff by giving them a chunk of, uh, of the money that comes through. And uh, there are some people who say, well, wait a minute. I, you know, I work all the time, and uh, nobody pays me extra for doing my work. I have a salary, and that's what I get. But if you're, if you're a tipped person, then you're basically paying twice for the same services and the same value. And that's a kind of a jaundiced way of looking at it, in my opinion. But that's, uh, you know, my opinion is not what we are here to t discuss. We're looking for everybody else's opinion, and I'd really, really like to hear from that. So uh, don't think I'm just trying to find some suckers to get into a fight with me, because I, I don't, I'm not a very good fighter either at any level. So uh, what do you think? How much are you tipping these days? Do you think that tipping is a good idea? that the whole system works. Uh, 260-6368 is our telephone number, 260-6368. Uh, just before we, well, there's nobody else to, to take the other side at the moment, so while waiting for somebody to call us, 260-6368, is uh, I will uh, give you my reasoning for why I tip 20% and up. And I have already told you about how, how hard the work is, and I think it's deserving of it. But there's something more important than that, and it is that waiters, and I observe this very much while working in Romanoffs as a waiter, trying to be a waiter. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, and uh, what I kept seeing was that these guys, they would, they would do their best, but they, in the back of their mind— they had the idea that that table 
might be the one that gives them $100 or $200. Now, if you think that, you know, that's pie in the sky or, you know, winning something from the publisher's <laughs> giveaway, you know, so it's, um, it, it is actually real. Uh, there are people out there who have pretty deep pockets, and when they go out to eat, they tip very, very generously. And waiters kind of, they're, they're pegging their futures or their view of the future in, in the, with the idea being that the next customer could be the one who, uh, you know, runs up a check for $62 and then tips you $50. And they are out there. There is no question about it. There are a lot of very generous people. Give you an example of uh, this outside the restaurant business. My newsletter, I have a, a version of it called the five-star edition. Other than that, it's not a whole lot different. And what I tell people is if you want to subscribe to this, uh, you can, and you'll get the top service that I give, which is, you know, I'll answer questions right away and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you, uh, you engage this service. Uh, the price of it is whatever you think it's worth. And I just throw it at, it could be anything. I have gotten more $100 subscribers on this. I mean, it's, it's almost embarrassing sometimes. There were, some, there were a couple of people who I knew pretty well, and I knew that they were, first of all, they were really nice people, and secondly, they weren't loaded with money. And I, I wrote back and I said, guess again. Give me another number from this. I can't bring myself to take $100 from you for, for that. But what comes out of this is that the people who uh, have the $100 tips uh, ready to go, uh, they happily do it. They actually enjoy doing it. I think there is a pleasure out of spending money. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. And uh, I wouldn't know a whole lot uh, from the ground up because uh, I've never had a time in my life when I was rolling in money. It could happen, though. You never know. But the, the, my point is that you, uh, there are people out there who will pay this, and they enjoy doing it. They enjoy giving these big tips out. And at the same time, the waiters, cha-ching, here it is. And the next thing they do after taking that in and putting it in their pockets is to think, okay, well, this next one, they could be, you know, like a, an $80 tip or a $50 tip on a $60 check, you know, and things like that. And um, it is really true, and don't, don't let anybody tell you it's not. Uh, waiters do pretty well. There are restaurants in this city where waiters make money into six figures and um, they, because they're good and they're worth every nickel that they get paid. But my question to you is, do you think this is a good system? Why shouldn't everybody in the restaurant get the same kind of money? They don't, you know. It's a good question. Anyway, we haven't. Uh, it, it has come up in the past, but not lately, so I thought we would open it up again if, in fact, anybody is um, ready to talk to us at all. Now, uh, our dilemma over here on our radio show, here we are in this um, unusual bandwidth uh, this <clears throat> excuse me, 105.3 FM, which is a legitimate FM radio station. Uh, but if you went there, you wouldn't be hearing this. Uh, you could be hearing this if you were to, uh, just using right that spot on the dial. Uh, you go to the HD function, 
which in most cars is built in, so you don't have to get anything installed or anything like that. Uh, you just have to figure out how to do it. And if you don't know, look in the owner's manual or go to the dealer where you bought the car and say, hey, how can I get HD radio going on this? I know that it's here, but I don't know how to get it. And they'll show you how to do it. And all you need to do is set that up once. And then next time you want to listen to uh, the food show or all the other programming that we have over on 105.3 FM HD 2, all you have to do is hit that button, and then bing, there we are. And I hope you do one of these days, because this is the radio of the future, what you're listening to right now. This is the radio of the future. It sounds better. It goes farther, and everything about it is great, including something that has been a part of the radio business since it began back in the 1920s, and that is radio is free. Have you ever paid for listening to a radio? I, I, in all my life, I've never heard of that. And uh, the business pretty much says, yeah, that's how things are. It's one of the great advantages of listening to live local radio. It makes such a difference. Well, anyway, I'm just babbling on like I usually am here. And I would really welcome anybody to call us about anything uh, if you don't like this tipping question, that's all right. We uh, This rule applies all the time, 100% of the time over here. And that is anything you want to talk about is fine. Call us up. We'll go right over to you. You don't have to be talking about the same thing I'm talking or any of the other callers are talking. Just whatever you want is, is what we are here to serve you. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Please, 260-6368. If we could only get people to call again. In the old days of, say, 20 years ago, uh, we were, you know, phone call one after another, after one after another, constantly. The last couple of years, nobody wants to talk on the radio anymore for some reason. 26063. I learned yesterday that my uh, cholesterol is 140-something. How did, how is that possible, living like I do? This is The Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmaurice. 260-6368 is our telephone number. And we'd love to talk with you about eating, about restaurants, cooking, and wine, and all the rest of it. Do you know that you can listen to a, a, a recording of our program uh, that we make available to you on the website? If you go to nomenu.oops, excuse me, wrong, wrong website. If you go to www.com, and I don't, I could stand here and, and kind of tell you exactly what you do, but it's so obvious that just just poke around a little bit and you'll see. And it'll get it over to our program, and you can listen to the show from yesterday or the day before and, and all that. And just in case you wanted to listen, but you were doing something else or whatever the reason is. But take advantage of that, and what will happen ultimately is uh, you'll be looking for uh, the, the show from on a Monday, and for some reason we never seem to have that one around. around. I don't know why. Uh, 260-6368. If, there's, if, if that has happened to you, call me and tell me about it. Now we'll see if we can get it worked up. 260-6368. We're waiting for our first caller of the day. We'd love to hear from you about that or about anything else uh, on your mind, culinarily speaking. Since last we spoke, I went over to Vincent's. I don't think we talked about this at all. Vincent's is one of my favorite restaurants. The, there are two of them. Both of them are great. The one uptown on St. Charles Avenue near Carrollton Avenue is terrific, but 
it's so popular and has so many regular customers that it's very difficult to get a table in there most of the time, at least for dinner. The original location in Metairie is also very busy all the time, but it's not busy to the point where you can't even get in through the front door. Uh, it is uh, a little bit less than that. But they're always pretty full, and they have a lot of regular customers. Do, what, do you, what do you think that means? Uh, when, when a restaurant has a lot of regular customers, I mean, it might seem really obvious that those there's something good about them, right? But is there, really? I know a lot of restaurants that are really, really good, and they don't have anybody in, uh, eating there. You've seen this before. You go to a restaurant. You've heard all kind of talk about it. It's supposed to be really great. You read the menu. The menu sounds fabulous. You look at the place. It looks wonderful. You open up the door. Ain't nobody there. What's that about? How does that happen? So the, the, what comes to my mind is that, well, maybe that's not it. The popularity of a restaurant and how good it is are two different things. Well, uh, over at Vincent's, the one in Metairie and the one uptown, too, uh, it, it is uh, the food there is just great, and they are not making food jump through hoops over there. I was talking to Vincent himself. Vincent Catalanotto, he owns it. He and I uh, have known one another for whew, a long Well, I'll tell you what. Remember that story just a little while ago I told you about working as a waiter for a month to see what it was like? At, uh, at the uh, Romanoff's restaurant a long time ago. Uh, he was working there then, too. He was a bartender. He decided to become a waiter because he had discovered that waiters made more money than, uh, than did the, uh, the bartenders. So he went ahead and did that. And then it wasn't too, too long after that that I started doing this show, and he uh, started running his own restaurant. And he has a really good sense of it. But if you were to talk to him, Vincent, I mean, if you were to talk to Vincent for a couple of minutes, you might walk away from it saying, that guy is really down to earth. He's like a real New Orleans neighborhood kind of a guy. And he definitely he is. But he has a really great sense of what people love to eat. And so he never loses a customer on that. You, you, you just don't go there and get anything bad. But he's not making any tricks. He's not making, uh, he's not making the panade chicken jump through hoops. You know, this is uh, not part of the program. And as a result, he has this really great local clientele. That the locals are the only ones who know how to find it. It's just pretty well hidden. In case you were wondering about that, it's on Chastant Street. Chastant Street runs like Transcontinental, but one block towards Kenner on the other side. Parking, always an issue around there. And the problem with it is that it's a residential neighborhood. And to have a restaurant there, and there are other ones. I mean, right, Austin's is right across the street, and that's an even bigger restaurant than Vincent's is. And they, where do they put all the people? I guess they park on the street somewhere. It's a tough thing to, to figure out sometimes, especially at dinner, especially on a weekend. Anyway, went over there and had something that was kind of a, a strange combination of words. It was filet, let's see, bone-in filet. Now, the definition of a filet, 
whether you're talking about F-I-L-L-E-T, which is the way you would apply that to, to a fish, or F-E-L-E-T, fillet, uh, it is, that, that is usually used for, for beef and other meats, other red meats. But when you say you have a fillet of something, what you mean is that all of the bones have been taken out, and then usually it's been skinned, and, and oftentimes it's been pounded out, or you know something like that. But it's it's ready to go into a skillet or into an oven right away without any further ado. Uh, so uh, they have uh, they have this as as an appetizer, and I thought that's weird. It was a really low ball price. I have seen fillets. Uh, uh, bone in, serve bone in. Uh, the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse has that now. A couple other restaurants do too. But most of the time you don't have bones in something like that. So I got it anyway just to find out what it was. And it was these little tiny bones that at one time clearly had enclosed a filet mignon or what would become a filet mignon. But they, they gave all that part to the people who were paying $40 for the, for the uh, steak. But that left so much meat on these bones that they kind of put it together on a platter with the, uh, the same kind of herbal sauce that they would ordinarily use just for like a real filet mignon. And it wound up uh, being so delicious, I, I, I couldn't stop eating it. It was sizzling, kind of a little creamy, the sauce was. Maybe it was just butter. And the, the steak, you could just pick it up and eat it off the bone if you wanted to. That would be perfect etiquette, by the way. Did you know that? If you go and get a lamb chop somewhere or a rack of lamb, uh, and after you've taken whatever bites you can take using your fork and your knife, uh, you have a lot of meat still left on there, it is perfectly okay to pick it up with your fingers and nibble it off the bones. That is, you read that in any etiquette book, and that's what they'll tell you. It sounds pr- uh, sounds kind of primitive. Uh, uh, well, What's the word I'm looking for? Primitive. That's that's the word I want. And uh, and but uh, that's just the way it is, which is which is fine. You know, I think it, I don't like formal fussy dining, except in one regard. I like restaurants that have dress codes. I don't need to see everybody in jacket and tie, but I would really like to go to a restaurant, a, a top class restaurant, and not see t-shirts, flip flops baseball caps and t-shirts. I said t-shirts already. The other kind of t-shirts. And I do want to see napkins, cloth napkins, cloth tablecloths, uh, and a layer of of quiet that you can at least hear yourself think. I went to a restaurant. Um, where was this? This is just in the last few days that was really nice and quiet. I was so, so pleased to see it, or hear it, I guess. You don't find that too much. What are we talking about here? Uh, I, I, I don't think we, I think we got it as far as we were going to go. Two six zero six three six eight. Anything on your mind is, you're welcome. If you've been to a restaurant lately, call me and tell me about it, would you please? I, I mean this sincerely. I'm not just trying to kill time on the radio. I really am always on the lookout for good new restaurants, restaurants that all of a sudden have gotten better than they were, and anything else that uh, just is delicious, I want to know about it. And it's not just a list of, you know, 10 places. There are a lot of them out there. And you might think, 
that your favorite place is one that is so good that everybody already knows about it already, so there's no point in talking to us on the radio about it. Not true. I mean, most of the restaurants that I hear about on this program that I didn't know anything about, they were, uh, you know, that, that was the case. They, I, I didn't know about them, and the person who told me about them just was assuming that everybody knew about it. So that's why, uh, that's what we're trying to do here. I'm, I'm hoping that you will call us because everybody's got one or two of these. What is your favorite restaurant? What's the one you really love? Call me and tell me what it is, would you? doesn't cost you anything to do that. And if you feel funny about it, uh, go over to, uh, well, you don't have to go to a website, come to think of it. Well, you might, but you, well, you, I'm, I don't give computer advice because I don't know what I'm doing. But here's, the, uh, here's what I'm working up to here. The, uh, uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm just looking for new restaurants to, to try, and I'm, I'm hoping you will tell me what they are. And uh, if, you, if you don't want to go on the air, just send me an email message to tom at nomenu.com, T-O-M at N-O-M-E-N-U dot com. And I will answer your question. I will, will read what you have to say. And I will write to you if, uh, if uh, I, I, I'm struck by it, which often I am. 2606368. We will pause, and then we'll come back with maybe our first caller. I'm waiting for our first caller of the day. Who wants to be? Come on. Somebody call. 2606368. Help us have a good time with this. 2606368. And now, please, this. Hello, welcome back. This is The Food Show. I'm Tom Fitzmaurice, and it's great to be here with you talking about food on the only program of its kind anywhere in America. Really, it is. Every time I go somewhere, I always ask around, especially if I can get a hold of some radio guys, and I always ask, do you have a radio show here that talks about the restaurants and gives out recipes, local recipes, and just talks about food? And they say, yeah, we've got... Something like that on the weekend, you know, the guy does a half hour, does little bits in between. I said, no, no, I'm talking about, you know, like a full-fledged three-hour, uh, two- or three-hour call-in show, and all you talk about is food. And he said, oh, no, nobody would do that. That's ridiculous. No, that's, that's impossible. You can't do that on the radio. And then I tell him, yeah, except for the 30 years we've been doing it in New Orleans. And they say, really? Are you kidding? God, that's great. We're going to do that. Then I check back with them. Nah, they don't do it. No, the, usually it comes down from on high and say, what are you, crazy? Next, what are we doing after that, doing Chinese music? Well, you would if you were in San Francisco or, or in uh, Los Angeles. You probably could. As a matter of fact, I'm positive there is such a restaurant there. Uh, anyway, 2606368. Didn't you just tell me there was somebody on hold? Or was, oh, it was what? Oh, well. In other words, it was what you just said, the initials of? Yeah, okay. 2606368. If the lady who just called us would call us back, we'll put you right on. You know, it's time for the cocktail of the day. This is the time. We, we pick the time for the talk, cocktail of the day for the moment where it is most necessary to keep the program uh, going on and making any further sense. Uh, we, uh, we have an assortment of... Coffees, you know how there are these uh, Irish coffees, probably the most famous of them. But this is something that you uh, you get at the end of a meal. It's either something that you serve with your dessert or after your dessert, 
or sometimes you have it instead of dessert. And so uh, let me, let's read a couple of these. Here's, let's start with classic Irish coffee. According to the Mr. Boston Official Bartender's Guide, which I think most, most guys who are in the bar business who are doing serious drinks, I mean, not just making it up as they go along, but uh, real drinks. This is one that is very, very popular. Starts off with an ounce and a half of Irish whiskey, which, oddly enough, you would think, well, that must be a whole lot like, uh, like uh, scotch whiskey, isn't it? And no, it isn't. It doesn't, doesn't remind me of scotch at all. I don't, I don't get that taste. Anyway, ounce and a half of Irish whiskey, hot coffee. It doesn't tell you how much. I guess you could kind of wing it. And sugar to taste. Anyway, into the <clears throat> Irish coffee, you rim it with some sugar, and you pour the Irish whiskey in. You fill it to within a half an ounce, uh, ounce of the top of the coffee. And then you add the sugar if you want it. And then you cover the surface uh, uh, to, to brim with whipped cream that you put on at the last minute. And that gives you an uh, Irish coffee. Uh, it's been a long time since the last time I had Irish whiskey. And I can't tell you that I liked it then. And I probably wouldn't like it now. But let's move on to something else. The Italian coffee. Now we're talking. The, those uh, Italian coffee houses that you find certainly all over, uh, all over the place in Italy. Uh, you also find it a, a lot around New Orleans these days. There are a lot of uh, places that do all the kinds of Italian uh, coffees that are imaginable. This one is really designed to be an after-dinner drink. They start off with a half an ounce of amaretto. Amaretto is a, a liqueur that has the flavor of almonds. And then you have hot coffee, and then you have a tablespoon and a half of coffee ice cream. That probably is the hardest thing to find, although I think you can probably buy it anywhere you want. Table, uh, one and a half, wait, was it one and a half? No, yeah, it was one and a half. Sorry, I gave you the wrong amount. Tablespoons of, of uh, ice cream flavored coffee. You pour the amaretto into the Irish coffee glass, you fill it with the coffee, and you top it with uh, coffee cream, and you sprinkle it with some ground coriander, of all things. Coriander is an interesting uh, herb, or it's a spice, really. You see it more in Indian restaurants than anywhere else. And so they have a little touch of that. Ground coriander, I would never have guessed that. That's Italian coffee. But uh, when, you, when you get into an Italian-style coffee house and you start getting things like, uh, uh, oh, what's the name of that? It's f the, the fluffed-up coffee. It's, it's not uh, cafe au lait or anything like that. It's a, what's uh, cappuccino. Thank you very much. Name for the capuchin. Uh, uh, they were, they were uh, priests. And... They, the color of their garments were the same color as the coffee. And I can't remember which came first. There's an interesting story about that, but I don't remember it all. Well, anyway, that's our two uh, Irish coffee and Italian coffee, our cocktails of the day. 2606368, still waiting for our first caller of the day. Is there anybody listening at all? Sometimes I wonder about that. The, the numbers from the surveys say that we do have listeners here, have quite a few of them even, but... You would never know it to listen to it. I mean, there is 
just this quiet, you know, this silence we have. Anybody there? Is anybody there? Hello? 260-6368. 260-6368. You know what we have coming up um, next week? On Thursday. Oh, brother. Everything's in a huge pile today for some reason. Uh, it doesn't matter. We are going to the Roosevelt Hotel again. We have a series of programs that we are doing there. and We started a couple of months ago, and we keep on going. And we're going to do this for a whole year. And the reasoning behind it is that this year, the Roosevelt Hotel turns 125 years old. And at the same time, it says here that WWL has been around for 125 years. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Uh, but they've been around for a long time. And, uh, they're, and WWL Radio used to be in the Roosevelt Hotel. That's where all their broadcast facilities were. Anyway, uh, that is, uh, we're going to celebrate that, and the way we do it is the way we always do it, and that is to have a nice dinner. And we're going to have something that is kind of like an eat club dinner, except we are not doing a set menu. All you have to do is to uh, go online. You can make to get a reservation for this uh, at RooseveltNewOrleans.com. Let me check and make sure of that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's The Roosevelt and WWL. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. Once again, I, I goofed that up. The Roosevelt New Orleans.com. All that is run together. The New Orleans. Dot, uh, the, I'll get this right yet. The Roosevelt New Orleans.com. And uh, you can get a reservation for this. Now, here's the way it's going to go down. We're going to do our program as we always do from 3 to 5 from the Fountain Lounge that's right smack dab in the middle of the the side uh, the, of the hotel that faces out onto Barone Street. And it's a great-looking place, very comfortable. Uh, it is, historically, over the years, it's the place where whenever the Roosevelt was doing something big, they would always do it there because it was a, just a great-looking spot, very spacious. They have live music. We had really great live music last time we were there. We had Ron... Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank again. Names get get away from me. Anyhow, uh, we had a great time over there, and uh, they'd said, "Let's do it again from there." So we that's what's going to happen. And this is on the 31st. That's a week from today, on Thursday night. We don't have a set menu. You, you're going to be presented with the entire menu for the restaurant. Uh, but I think we might be able to talk them into doing some kind of package deal on it. And uh, I'm going to have a table of my own, but I'm going to make it a big table so you can join us if you want to. Uh, but don't figure on staying there too long or my staying there too long because I don't. I move around from table to table all night and hang out and talk about the, the eating scene around town and anything else on your mind. And it winds up being a really fun evening, and uh, we've done two of them so far, and that's the way it went both times. And we're going to do it again a week from today at the Roosevelt Hotel at, you know, right there in the hotel as you're coming in on the Barone side. 
uh, you're about one-third of the way through the lobby from one end to the other, and you'll see it, the, the Fountain Lounge. That's the name of the uh, restaurant. And uh, you and I will sit down together, and we'll talk about the food scene, and we'll talk about everything else that's on your mind. And I hope you can make it. Uh, it, it we really have had a great time at these over the years. So uh, all of this uh, next week. And in between uh, the, the radio show and the time when we start having dinner, we have about a two-hour gap in there. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to be doing, at least for a little while. I will be having myself a cocktail of some kind because the bar right next, that's the Sazerac Bar, where the Sazerac, it wasn't invented there, but that's kind of its official home, is right in there, right next door to the Fountain Lounge, right next door. And they make great Sazeracs, cause they, and they better, because that's their trademark. But they also make uh, these wonderful cocktails called uh, uh, the... Uh, Oh, it's a, it's a person's name, and it and it eludes me uh, at the moment. It's um, uh, Ramos Gin Fizz. That's it, the Ramos Gin Fizz. And this is not only a good cocktail. It is, as a matter of fact, I would say it's a great cocktail. But it's totally different from anything you've ever had in your life. It goes back a long way, about 100 years, and uh, it's made with, of all things, there's a little cream in it. There's a little bit of, um, uh, uh, so, well, of course, there's some gin in there. You have some egg whites, of all things, and a couple of other items, and it gets shaken up very, very much, and it starts getting foamy, and they bring it out in a tall uh, kind of John Collins uh, glass, and it's wonderful. You may have a sip, if you're a manly man like I am, you might take a taste of this and say, this is, you're really kind of a girl's drink, whatever that means. Uh, maybe so, but, uh, you know, those girls have been proven, have proven over the years that they know a few things, and that's just a delicious drink. So you might want to have one with me there. I'd be happy to do that. Give me an excuse to have a second one. And so uh, all of that is coming up next week, a week from today, at the Roosevelt Hotel and uh, they have a parking arrangement there, too. Ask them about it when you make the reservation. Do make a reservation if you want to call us, if you want to come with us, rather. Uh, here's the, the, their address. You just go online to theroosevelt.neworleans.com, and from there you can make your reservation right bang, 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 on the spot. And then we'll have a great gourmet kind of an evening. Hope to see you there. We'll be back with more of the food show after your first day. <coughs> Hi, it's the Food Show. This is Tom Fitzmorris. And love to talk with you. I wish you would call 260-6368 is our telephone number. We're sitting here waiting for you. We have nothing better to do. Let's see. Aaron Neville. Hey, do you, I'll bet you have some Aaron Neville hanging around here somewhere, don't you? Okay, do you know what today is? Guess how old he is. You know this. Oh, <laughs> well, you can't learn, you can't know anything from Facebook. You have to know it from here. What don't, aren't you? Aren't you? Uh, you know? Aren't you loyal to our our little radio show? I'm just kidding you. Uh, you know what? Uh, it doesn't seem possible. Seventy, seventy, eight, seventy. What? How many? Seventy-eight years. 
He doesn't look like it. Well, he doesn't sound like it. One of the great singers, I think really one of the great singers in New Orleans has that instantly recognizable voice. You, you just hear the one note, you know who it is. Anyway, and he, he's a big guy, too. That's the funny thing. He sings these uh, falsetto kind of tones, and he's a big guy. Let's see. Neil Diamond was born same day, same year as Aaron Neville. Now, that should prove something. If on that particular day you get a certain kind of person, how could you possibly have Aaron Neville and Neil Diamond? <laughs> we just, you know, there's something wrong with that. Anyway, Neil Diamond... Uh, had two hits with food titles. Cherry Cherry was one of them. And then Cracklin' Rosie. I bet you don't know what that's about. Cracklin' Rosie. This, this apparently is a variety of bubbly wine that is not, uh, has not been popular for a while and it tended to be the favorite beverage of people who were occasionally known as winos. And the kind of people who would drink, um, oh, what was that stuff that was made with apples? Uh, that, that was that was kind of a wine. A Thunderbird would be another example of it. And uh, it's so it's it's fizzy, and it's also kind of fruity and sweet. And that's what crackling rosy or crackling rosé is what they were trying to say there. Uh, and that was all. By the time that that song came out, uh, hardly anybody knew what it was. It was something from a different era. The best uh, known version I could ever tell you about uh, of cra uh, Cracklin' Rosie, uh, Pink Ripple. Do you remember that that wine? It called it, it was called Ripple. And the reason uh, that they didn't really call it a wine, I don't think that it said that on the label, but. Uh, uh, what Ripple was, was it, it did have wine in it, but it also had fruit juices in it and a whole bunch of other things. So if you could call that a wine, I guess, okay, it's, it's a wine. But uh, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a wine to me. Anyway, who, who used to? Fred Sanford? Did he? I don't. That was in that long, long period where I never watched television, so I don't know. I, I've never heard of it, but I, that shows how out I can be. Uh, today is National Peanut Butter Day, uh, but none of the peanut makers seem to agree with that. I, I've heard other guesses on that. There's one other one that says that it's March 3rd. Peanut butter is something that you either love or you're totally indifferent to, I have found. I'm not nuts about it myself. Uh, I was especially leery of the use of peanut butter in desserts until the first time I had the peanut butter pie at the restaurant called Feelings. Remember that one? Feelings. No, they didn't do that. But it was uh, at Feelings. They had a peanut butter pie. And I'd go over there and I'd try it because everybody was telling me, you know, boy, if you want something good, get that peanut butter pie at Feelings. And I'd go, and I'd taste it, and I'd just say, no, that just, I don't know, P peanut butter and pie don't, to me, go together again. Uh, don't go together. Well, uh, the Feelings Place underwent a change of ownership, of which they have had quite a few over the years. And whoever the, the new people were coming in, 
they they made a change that was really brilliant and made it a, a popular place to to dine and also to have something like that for dessert and they they created a pie that was called uh, French what was this French chocolate it made a reference to France at, at the very least and what it was was basically chocolate mousse made into a pie so the filling of the pie was extremely light and then they made the pecan the uh, the peanut butter pie they made it in the same way with the whipped cream and everything in there. And then they put the two together, and they made two layers of it. So the, the peanut butter layer was at the bottom, and the chocolate part was at the top. And you would, when you'd order a slice of this, you'd get the best of both worlds. And it was dynamite. Everybody loved it. And they would still be serving that, I think, if they were still around. But I don't, I'm not sure if they are or not, come to think of it. Anyway, that was uh, Feelings Restaurant. You know, there's a story behind that place. I'll tell you when, when we get back, if we get back. Stay tuned. More of the food show coming. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.